Well, it's good to be with you. Welcome home. We say that a lot here. Deb and I was in the Northwest, gone two weeks, and I think we were talking, it was probably a couple years ago since we've been gone so long from the church here. But it's good to come back in, watch and participate in worship together, and just enjoy the Lord. People say, do you have a good time? We just did a lot of work, and it was good. It was good stuff. Uh, God tested us. He stretched us a little bit. You might hear a little bit of this in the message. We're going to be in the book of Galatians today. Uh, one thing that happened is Deb and I, uh, where, we, where our house is, we would drive past this little shop, and I never saw a shop that had so much business here in this little corner. It was called a bake shop. And people came there one night. We were coming back from somewhere like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and here's cars at the bake shop. And, and in the morning, there'd be cars at the bake shop. And so one time, we, just as we were coming back, I told Deb, I says, why don't we just pull in there and get us some rolls for the morning? It must be really good because people come there all the time. So we pulled in there and uh, I walked to the door. Deb was with me and there was an armed officer looking at us and he smiled and he said, come on in. And I went up to the counter and I looked and it wasn't what I thought it was. It was M-A-R-I-J-U-A-N-A. And I looked at my wife and I said, uh, wow, I don't think we belong here. And I looked at the officer and he said, uh, yeah, I think you're right. And so out we went and we left. And it's just down the road, so that might be a wonderful place. It's a, just people need Jesus everywhere. But I was thinking, you know, as we're going into the book of Galatians that we're going to be in today, one of the things I love about the Word of God is where you begin is often not where you end. You start reading, and you think you're going to understand this is where we'll be, and this is how we're going to get there. And when you get further in the Bible, it opens up in a way that you realize, wow, it's way different. And I think this book of Galatians can be like this for all of us. When I was a young believer, Galatians was one of those epistles I wasn't sure if I wanted to read. It just seemed like it talked about legalism and all this stuff. We're looking at an identity crisis that Paul is going to address in the book of Galatians in which people are disconnected. They don't know where they are. They're confused. They're in all different kinds of places. And I would pray that where we think we're going may not be where we're going. And you flip the bake shop around and all of a sudden the word comes to life and speaks to each of us in the place that God wants to speak to us over the next several months possibly as Pastor Josh and I would take this and go back and forth with it. As we're in the book of Galatians, there's going to be some things that we want to do in this first message. It's going to be somewhat of an introduction, but as we're looking at the identity crisis, but we're going to meet the person, the place, and the people, and we're going to see where this, where this happened, who was there, who was behind it all, and we are going to enter slowly into this book, and we'll only be taking about five verses this morning as we look at this together. And I just pray that as we begin, we can, the Holy Spirit can speak to us and He can share with us 
what we need. Because I love that about the Word of God, is God has a way of speaking to us where we need it. And it may not be exactly where the person beside you is. It can just be a different place. So let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you for your Word. I thank you for the living Word, Father. I thank you for the the privilege of opening your word today and partaking of it as we are. I thank you, Lord, your word never returns void. I thank you, Lord, that it is alive and this dear book to the Galatian brothers and sisters can be a book that can be a a rich blessing to us as we learn more of who you are and who we are in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Paul is the writer or the vehicle that God is using to pen this book. He didn't write it, the Holy Spirit did through Paul. He didn't speak it, the Holy Spirit spoke through Paul. But he begins, Paul and apostle, not sent from men or through the agency of men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. And there it is that Paul opens up his introduction. He uses a term that is used different times in the, in the Bible, but it is the word an apostle. Paul, an apostle. And then there is a parenthesis through the rest of that first verse. But what he is speaking about, the word apostle is apostolos. It is an ambassador. Paul the ambassador. It is also a messenger. Paul the messenger. It is also the delegate. Paul the delegate. And as he begins to write this, he's saying, Paul an apostle. There were 12 original apostles that Jesus called. They had a special calling and a very high calling. They were called out of God to do amazing work. And Paul came in later into that core group of people. He wasn't that eyewitness at the time of Jesus, but later he was right there. Some of the further ones in the Bible referred to as apostles later was Barnabas and also Timothy and Silvanus. And these were men of God that God used on a a different level. And he used them in administrative and often the early building of the church, and there's been an argument, maybe a little debate for many years uh, about just, are there still apostles today? And I want you just to look with me at the Word of God today in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, and let the Word of God speak to you. And He, this is the Lord, gave some apostles, that's who we're looking at, and some prophets, that's a different gift, And some evangelists, that's another gift. And some pastors, that's actually in definition a shepherd. And teacher for the equipping of the saints. Notice it wasn't given for them simply to hang out. It was to bless others. When God brings a gift into your life, it is for the purpose of blessing someone else. And here he says, it is this we keep on going, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, another reason for the work of the service. 
and then to the building up of the body of Christ. The gifts are intended to strengthen the body of Christ. And the purpose is till we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And what is interesting, and I see it in, all, in this church, and I'm blessed by this, is God uses many gifts. Paul's gift was a special calling. Uh, some people have a special calling today. Other people have a special gift they're being used. God has a way. We're just kind of like tools in a toolbox for you men. God, we, God just reaches out, and He uses what He wants to get the job done when we're available. If we're not available, God won't use us. All he wants is availability. All he wants is open hearts and open hands. And God will do the rest. And this is what Paul is, is beginning as he enters into this. And he says, I am an apostle. Now, one of the things he's doing in that, he is declaring the authority given to him by God. He's going to say some hard things eventually to the church of Galatia. He's going to call them out. He's going he's to lay it on the line. He's going to challenge them in places they were drifting. But he wanted that church to recognize that he was there under the authority and the power of the Almighty God. And in that parenthesis we see there, in the first verse, in my, in my Bible, it says, not sent from men nor through the agency of man. I'm not here, just I'm not a man pleaser. I'm not put here by men. But through Jesus Christ and the Father who raised him from the dead. And Paul is simply saying, I am not put here by men. I'm just not a puppet. I'm here to declare the truth of God's Word. And I'm empowered by God. And I stand in the resurrection of Jesus. And whenever you want to talk about a powerful message, and you're called to go in and enter in, always enter in and speak of the resurrection power of Jesus. That Jesus raises from the dead. And here he says, here he says and all the brethren that are with me, to the churches, and there he goes, the churches of Galatia. Now we have a map that you'll see Galatia up here on the screen. And what did Galatia look like? It, Galatia was a big region. You see the green region there that spreads out through Macedonia. It was quite an area. Asia off to the one side, uh, Pontus above, Cappadocia down be below, uh, Pamphylia right down in the corner and there it was it was a great region now it wasn't just one church it was many churches that were scattered through Galatia there was many and there was northern churches and southern churches in Galatia there was there has been some debate did Paul write this to the northern churches or did he write it to the southern churches I guess what we could say is no let's just take it they, they pull that out and say no he wrote it to us today he wrote it to God's children he wrote it to wherever the word of God would ever go out throughout the ages he wrote this and he writes it right here to the church today in Surprise Arizona sitting right here and and he speaks about the churches of Galatia so it's a big region a lot of churches but one of the things that had happened is they got off track. The enemy had got in and affected their identity in Jesus. You'll see this as we open it up further in further messages. Next week, we'll see exactly what happened, how it came about. But here Paul is saying, I want you, I'm going to write to you, and I'm writing to you under the authority and power of the Word of God. 
Now, Galatia is interesting. I kind of got maybe sidetracked in this. It's actually modern Turkey today is where Galatia is. If you're thinking about where Galatia actually is and exists, it really in, it's, it's in the modern region of Turkey primarily. But uh, I got looking up the word Galatia, and I found this town in Illinois of 1,100 people that's called Galatia. And I thought, that's interesting. And then I found another little town in Kansas called Galatia that only has 29 people. And I thought, well, how did they choose the word Galatia? And they said they simply chose the word Galatia because they came from the town of Illinois, of Galatia. And there it was. And when you get out where this is 29 people, could you imagine? Have any of you ever lived in a real small town? When you get down to that, that size... You really get to know your neighbors, and if you don't wave, they know it, okay? And uh, there's probably only one church to go to, and it may not even be in your town. And God gave us the privilege of working. This is in Galatia, Kansas. is in western Kansas. It's the biggest city I know of around Galatia is a, a town called Hayes. It's north of there, and you're in between. On one side, Denver, Colorado, and the other, you have Kansas City as the two big cities. And down south of the Interstate 70 is Galatia. And Galatia, uh, one of the things I found out in working in these smaller churches in smaller communities and also working in them in business because God put us in business where we would go into small communities is many people that choose them choose them because they just love the people it's really interesting it isn't because there's the most services there matter of fact uh, we've been in a little town called Quinter and they'd have to drive an hour and a half to the town of Hayes just to find anything big enough to go to a grocery store but generation after generation comes there, and they call that home. And there's something that I have discovered in those towns, and I think it was, would be very true in Galatia, Kansas, too, because it's not, it, there's a town there called Colby, Kansas, not far away. My barber in California lived and came from Colby, Kansas. They are genuine, authentic folks. They, they really, really are just genuine people. If you need help, they'll be there. If your, if your barn burns down, they'll be there. They'll serve in so many different ways. And that's the kind of people they are. And if you look at this with me, it's interesting, in that area, uh, you think, what do they even do? I remember asking one time, where do you guys go like for a vacation around here? And they said, we go to this place called Castle Rock. And I said, Castle Rock, what is it? And they said, it's a rock about, uh, about 90 miles over here. It goes up about 50 feet in the air. And that's Castle Rock. But they're genuine people. They really want to live there. And what Paul is teaching here as we go a little further into this is he is teaching the importance of authenticity. To be a true follower of Jesus and not find ourselves going to identity, identity crisis that we, as God's children, are what we say we are and we live Jesus. And it's just not words. It's in our life. It's in our heart. You pull us open. You break us apart. And inside us and out of us comes nothing less than Jesus Christ. And something had moved into Galatia. And this is, Paul is going to address this as we go into the next, next message. The enemy had got his way in the door. 
And he was creating havoc. And Paul begins to address this as he introduces it. I love it. He says, not sent from men or through the agency of men. I stand on the Lord and through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. He said, I stand in the resurrection of Jesus. And there's something else he says there. To and all the brethren who are with me. And Paul says, you know what? I'm writing this surrounded by godly brothers who walk with me. And I want to tell you right here in this church, I experienced that. I experienced walking with men of God who want nothing less than God's will is fulfilled. And God's word is accomplished. But when you have, Paul is saying, sometimes we can forget the power of godly brothers and sisters walking together. When you've got that, you've got power. When you don't have that, you are powerless. It doesn't matter how powerful the message is. It doesn't matter how how good the church is. It doesn't matter. Without unity in the Spirit of God, we're powerless. The Holy Spirit works where there's unity. He flows in united hearts in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Galatia, one of the things that happened in Galatia is uh, years later, theologians begin to argue and they begin to discuss was it written to the northern churches or to the southern churches? And here came, come some battles that even happened in, in Galatia here. Now, if you want to write this down, we will not refer to these right now, but Galatia. In chapter 13, verses 13 through 1423 of Acts, is Paul in South Galatia. Every trip he took, he went through Galatia. The three missionary journeys, Paul went through Galatia. North Galatia, he came in Acts 16, 16, and Acts 20, 18, 23. Now, Paul was a frequent visitor to Galatia. So I like to think Galatia was close to the heart of Paul. But Paul had recognized there was a need to write back, to encourage. You're going to see something in in this uh, quest for being real with God is that Paul declares on no uncertain terms the basis for Christian liberty in a Christian's faith. You stand in the Word of God, the power of God, the Spirit of God leading you, and then you can stand there strong in the day and age in which we're living. I don't know, has anyone here read the book Jim and Matt Go to Church? I won't call you out if you... If you but it's a, it's a Christian book that's been written recently by Jim, who's a Christian who invited Matt Casper, a friend of his, his, who was an atheist, to go to church with him for one year. And for one year, Jim and Matt went to church together. And what Jim would do is he would just write down some of the things that Matt would ask or wonder about. And he would just jot down things. And so one of the things that really stuck with Jim was one day... Matt turned to him and he says, is this what Jesus really asked you to do? I'm just trying to sort this out. And Matt said that just wouldn't leave him. Is this what Jesus really asked you to do? You know, one of the, the blessings of, of any kind of a business transaction, and we had one up in Washington where we purchased this piece of property and it actually delayed our our trip coming back because there was 
I don't know how to describe this, but you've probably all been there where you break a wishbone and you end up with a smaller wishbone. Well, that's kind of what we had happen. It was really what we had happen. And Deb and I, was, our trip was extended by several days to respond to messes that were left on a piece of property. Uh, things had to go to the junkyard and things had to be disposed of and things had to be fixed that weren't supposed to be there. And here I was, we, we wanted to get home and one day I just uh, looked at Debbie and I said, uh, I wonder what Jesus would do. Because we still owed some money. And Debbie didn't, didn't say anything. She just, as she can do, just sat. And I think the next day or maybe that evening I asked Deb, uh, what do you think Jesus would do? And she says, I wonder if he wouldn't just pay the bill. You know, we, a lot of times we, we get away from just a real simple principle like this, and I think the churches of Galatia had got away from it. Sometimes in the complexity of life, we lose the simple, fundamental truths of the gospel. The things that God just asks us to do. Like, what would Jesus do? We always know that Jesus would bless. We always know he would bless. He would always bless. Jesus would always forgive. He was a perfect example of 70 times 7. He blessed, he blessed, he forgave. Jesus would always love. Jesus would always pray. But sometimes in the middle of where Galatia was, and probably where we can get, we lose the heart of Jesus. It just kind of flees. And I believe as we enter into this writing, we're going to see the Apostle Paul uh, just speaking of this tremendous power of the Lord. And a lot of times to get the heart of Jesus, we've got to go back to where Jesus is. Have you ever been there with me that you've been way down the road, you've covered all kinds of ground, you've fought a lot of battles, you've you ever felt like you're pulled by two different ropes and they're pulling you both ways, and it's been all week, and all of a sudden God just tells you, you need to get back to me. You just got to get back to me. It's not about them. It's not about that. It's not about this. It's about me. And as Paul is writing, the reason we begin to see this, and we're going to see it in this introduction, he just doesn't get away from the power of Jesus, the source of Jesus, who Jesus is and what he does. He doesn't leave that. He will not let go of that. It was so deep within his, in his being. I want you to look just four simple things we find in these first two verses that we're looking at, that we've looked at. First off, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men or through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. We see the sending power of God here. And then he speaks of something else, who raised him from the dead. We see the resurrectional power of God. When a man is standing in the resurrection, a woman is standing in the resurrection, sent by God, you're as powerful as you're going to get. You've got the Lord on your side. He's doing amazing things. Then he goes on, and we see, we see the transforming power of God as he's raised from the dead. And then he says, with all the brethren who are with me, we see the brethren united in God. And this is just a quick little summary of the multiples that surrounded the Apostle Paul when he was writing this. See, Paul wasn't a lone ranger. He wasn't going to strike out by himself. He was going to work with a body. He was going to work with godly men and women. 
And I think it's so important in all church life that we're no different. Sometimes we can almost overlook the brothers. You ever think about that? Has God ever just brought a friend into your life that you never really saw as a friend and all of a sudden it goes, wow, that's amazing. I didn't realize that. And they begin to speak truth to you. And all of a sudden it just stops you. You just go, wow. See, Paul is seeing, I really value the brothers. One thing that I am very deeply committed to, even as a pastor, and there's a lot of decisions to make in a church like this, but one of my deep commitments before God, and I say this for you to hold me accountable, is we work together. We're only as strong as we work together. If we go off on our own, we will fall. It doesn't matter who we are. There's no one strong enough. There's examples all over the Christian world of people who were so strong and they fell so hard. You know, several, quite a few years ago now, we would have these uh, revivals for the weekend in a church we were at in Washington State. And really, they were very cool revivals because we would bring a guest speaker or two or three in. And we would start Saturday morning, and guests would come from the community and surrounding churches, and we would pack a building about this size and just overflow it. And we'd have a noon meal and an evening meal. We'd have communion at night, and the gospel would just be hit all day long. And you would just be nourished. Now, the next day, you'd go back, and all you'd hear is the resurrection of Jesus. And that was the cap sheaf of all the teaching. It was like, go now. Jesus is risen. He's alive in you. Now go give your heart to the Lord wherever you're going. But God had a special time. We brought a special person in there. Her name was Sarar. She had been my translator in China for 10 years in the underground church. She was single. She had never seen America before. She had chosen not to get married. She's a beautiful Chinese girl, about 33 or 4 at that time. Chose not to get married because she'd rather serve God. Never knew what it was like to have something so beautiful as that many people at one place and so many pastors to teach the Word of God and so much. And she walked into that church and she sat there for all day and watched. You know, I, was, I, I couldn't help but sit there because when you work with someone like that, your spirit becomes one in Jesus in the most amazing way because she's taking the words you're giving and it's going into her heart and she must take them out and, and give them to the people. And that's the Holy Spirit working in her. I've seen times when that girl just wept between messages because the Holy Spirit had spoken so hard to her that she was trying to deliver it and God was speaking to her right in her heart. The day was over, and I turned to Sarah and I said, uh, back at Devon, our place, and she's a very dear friend. I said, what, did you, what was your takeaway from the, the weekend, just today? And she says, we could never do this in China. It was, the preaching was unbelievable. The organization was fantastic. But she says, I just wondered about one thing. Uh, I didn't hear any reference to the commission of Jesus to go out and, and uh, make disciples. I wonder if that's, it could keep you from that. And there was no invitation given to go. And I remember going to bed that night and just struggling, wow, 
What did she just say? And the next day, it was time to go say goodbye, and, and it was time. I was dismissing the crowd. It was a time for an invitation. But what hit me is in the middle of all of our prosperity and blessing, we can lose some of the fundamental calls of God, the very fundamental truths of the Word of God, and they can flee us in all of our good religious activity, and they can just be gone as quickly as they came. Just go with me a little further into this, uh, uh, the, the next couple of verses Paul now enters this. He's giving an introduction, and then he says, Grace, verse 3, and to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what he does first. He, he speaks of grace and peace. This is a very common introductory expression of the Apostle Paul, grace and peace. But it is so important to realize it's just not a casual statement it is like you are rich you are blessed you have been given so much grace the unmerited favor of god toward man grace god's love poured out on us peace that inside your heart with everything going on at work right now you're okay because you have jesus or in the home. And this is how Paul begins it. This grace and peace from, our, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he doesn't say grace and peace to you. He says, no, I'm, I'm giving it from God. It's a message from God. I'm delivering God's message to you. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see what Paul does? He turns from himself and he points to the Lord, even in the message. Grace and peace to you. And as we look at this together, who gave himself for our sins that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and our Father, to whom be glory forevermore. Amen. And here he begins to define what happened there. Grace and peace to you. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, he's emphasizing the Godhead, Jesus and the Father being one, who gave himself for our sins. He's emphasizing the gift of God. He's saying, when you've got this, you've got everything. Oh, if there's anything that uh, Sarar's people taught me in China was that. I would often come from church problems in America where we were bickering and quarreling about who was the greatest and I would go into some little beat-up hut and teach the Word for three or four days, and all they had was a beat-up, broken guitar, and I saw nothing but brokenness and praise and thanksgiving and adoration. Sometimes we forget, but Paul was driving right here and speaking. What we see, first off, grace and peace to you, we see the promise. I, want to, I think you'll see five things up here I jotted down in these three verses, three through five. We see the promise, grace and peace to you. Then we see the person, it comes from God and Jesus. That's through which the promise comes. The promise comes from the person of God. Then we see the plan to deliver us from this world. This is more than just a phrase. It's more than a common expression today. It is what the gospel's all about. You see, what's so wonderful as a Christian, 
Uh, we, we can pray, we can vote, we can say, God, but you know who's got this thing in his hands? God. He's got the whole wide world. And here we see this plan. He came to deliver us from this present evil world. The purpose to rescue us from our sins. He's just simply saying God reaches down and pulls us out of a pit that we are just locked in. It can be the sins of addiction. It can be the sins of unbelief. It can be the sins of compromise. But rescue us from our sins to the praise, and all the praise goes to God and our Father. And Paul kind of concludes this here. But grace and peace. He goes to something here that I think is really important in studying the Bible or going into the subjects of the Word of God. You just think about this. If you jump down to the symptom and miss the source, you might miss the solution. Paul started at the source. Maybe I, can, uh, maybe I can illustrate this by the Nile River that flows out of Egypt. And it flows not just through Egypt, but the Nile River flows through, starts at 7,800 feet, and it flows through 10 countries. And it all starts because at the source is three little tributaries. One's called the Blue Nile, another one's called the White Nile, and the other one's called the Atabara Nile. And you can see those three those three. Uh, tributaries, and you could probably fish in them, if not there, right down a little ways. But what happens is they just keep going, and the further they go, the bigger the river, the greater the blessing. It, it might start with a couple hundred that just are able to fish. Then it turns into a few thousand. And as that river winds for 4,000 miles through 10 countries, it just keeps spreading the blessing. But in order for that blessing to be spread, there's got to be a source. In order for the strength of God to be alive in the church of God, in the hearts of God's children, in order for we to find an identity in Jesus Christ alone, we've got to go back to the source. If we go back anywhere else, we will never have strength. We can't stand apart from going back to the source of everything, which is God. And this is what the Apostle Paul is doing as he's writing. And he says, grace and peace. Oh, I think of the source that uh, happened at Calvary. How many times is it that Jesus, that's what we would do at those meetings, is for the first day on Saturday, we would say, we just, I, would, I would tell these teachers coming in, just teach the cross. Teach the message of the sacrifice. Teach the Lamb of God. Teach the love of God. Just teach it all day long. And what happens is you come to a source. And at that source, you surrender. But you find strength at that source like no other place. I don't know how many times God has just told you like he has me. Just go back to the source. You're a long ways down the river here. You're forgetting where it all came from. You've forgotten that uh, the most beautiful thing on the face of the earth is He's rescued you for your, from your sins and He's redeemed you to Himself through His own sacrifice. And He's made you a new creature in Jesus Christ. Go back to see that, to see that marvelous work at the place called Calvary. I don't know how often that happens to you but uh, I have learned 
And I'm still learning, just by God's grace, that it's the only place that strength comes for me is at the source. And I think one of the reasons I'm learning that, and as I go into this book of Galatians, I see this too, that Paul is taking the church of Galatia to the source that they can begin to look at the symptoms. Next week, we'll look at the symptoms. But he's taking them to the sufficiency of God, the love of God, the greatness of God, the power of God. It's all there. And God says, go back to the source. There's a place in all of our lives that we've got to get alone with God. We just have to. We've got to let it all go and get with God. We've got to find that place, that quiet place. Do you have a quiet place like that? That all of a sudden, just you and God, and you're at the source. And you know, one of the things that comes to the source of, of God is thanksgiving and praise to God every time. When you're there, and I believe Paul was starting right here, and if you notice how he ends this, he says in verse 5, to whom be the glory forevermore, amen. God gets all the glory then because it all started at the source. If it doesn't start at the source, we might be tempted to rob God of some glory. But when it starts at the source, he gets all the glory. There's no glory sharing. He gets it all completely. There's an amazing phenomenon that's taking place right now in the, in the northern part of the USA where salmon, salmon are raised and grow. And Many of you love salmon like we do. Matter of fact, it's one of our default fish. We just love to go back to the salmon. But you know what salmon do this time of year? They make a journey up the stream to the place in which the egg was laid. And they go up ladders, and they go up through rocks, and they make these amazing jumps that you would never think a salmon would ever make. Because at the source is where the supply of new eggs will come. If you didn't get to the source, there would never be no little salmon coming out. The story of the salmon is different than ours. If you would be there, and we've been at places where it's only another mile to where there, we know that they were actually, that's the last place that salmon could be bred. And when we were there, we, that last mile, you look at those salmon and you wouldn't want to eat any of them. They have been beaten up and they have blood on their, on their fins and dorsals because they've hit the rocks so many times. But it is worth it to them to make the sacrifice to get to the source so life can come. And I give that to you today and this, this afternoon as we're wrapping up that God has taken the church of Galatia to the source. And he's taking us there too. What's it worth to you to get to the source of all of the beginnings? You know what the salmon does there at the end is they lay down their life. They lay their life down. They'll never go down that stream again. Their little ones will go down that stream by the hundreds. And they'll head to the Pacific Ocean and they'll go out there and they'll come back right up, back up into that, out of that salt water into the fresh water and they'll do it all over again next year. It's just one of the great phenomena that declares that Jesus is the creator, God's a creator. But they lay it all down to give 
There's one person that did that, not us. He just asked us to go back to that place that he laid it all down. But he does say, give up yourself. Give up your rights. Sometimes for me, it's give up your vision. Give up your calling. Give up your image. Give up your position. Give up your money. And at that place, he says, I want you to lay it down and follow me. And could I interject here that uh, the power of this book in your life will, it won't be about whether Pastor Joshua is teaching or I'm teaching or what we're covering. That won't be it. The power of this gospel will be if you found the source. If you find the source, you'll be blessed. And all the way through this book, it will just unfold riches and treasures and blessings. You'll see the great theme of the gospel that I will not linger on today. It'll come out later. You'll see it. But I want to encourage us, make the steps to go to the source. We've done it today for just a moment. We're, all we're doing is scratching the surface of a very profound and complex truth of the Word of God. There are people that can articulate this far better than me. There are people that have been there in ways I've never been there, and they can articulate it. But I will tell you one thing. I have learned through the grace and power of God that when I go to the source that of God, I go to the source of supply, that God will bless abundantly everything that comes from our lives. And I would encourage us here because this identity crisis is lost then in something when we're swallowed up in Jesus Christ as the one true and living God that everything centers around and revolves around. And I guess I can just tell you as a pastor, just go to the source. It sounds simple, but make the steps. But I also want to tell you as someone who hasn't believed yet, I don't know who you are, you know. I, I know because God is stirring your heart in a different way right now. There's a little conflict in there. You might have got that salmon deal. But if that's you, you say, where do I go? If you knew my life, if you knew my, my children, my family, what? If you knew, God knows. And there's one thing I can tell you. You go to God. You go to Jesus. And the Word of God teaches so clearly that the person that comes to Him, He'll never cast out. Never. Because right at the very, at the very source is one just saying, I love you. I forgive you. I will, I will work within you. And all he wants from you and me is say, Lord Jesus, I want to be in your arms. But there's something else really important in acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord and going to the source. We saw it right here where he said uh, that he would uh, gave himself for our sins, that he would rescue us in this present evil age. Jesus, God the Father, wants to hear it from our heart in prayer that God, I believe that you've rescued me. 
to deliver me from this age. I really believe it in my heart. And I ask you to take away anything that has kept me from unbelief. Anything. You know, sometimes that really does hurt. It really hurts. I had to give up quite a little reputation in 1975 when God shook me up. I can still remember the first temptation, guys and gals. I can remember where it was, and I was a football player. I was an outside linebacker, and one of my closest buddies was a guy named Doug, and he pulled up to up beside me in the corner of Bowen Avenue and McHenry and Modesto, where I grew up, and that's right where American Graffiti is, was filmed. And he said, one more time, John, just one more time. We're missing you at the parties. We got the best pot you can ever get. Just come one more time. And I said, Doug, I can't do it. I can't do it. I love you, but I can't do it. Because God has called me somewhere different. Sometimes you go to the source. God says, let those shackles go. You've got to let some relationships go sometimes. I don't want to enter that in a real difficult way, but sometimes you've got to let something go that's keeping you from the source. It could be a hidden addiction. It could be self-worshipping. It could be an idol that is so subtly crept in that it's keeping you from the source. And I want to speak to one more group of people, and that's God's children. That's who we are. And that's the reason I'm preaching. That's the reason the Holy Spirit has brought me here is because it is so important to come to the source. Whatever cost it'll ever be to get there, it's nothing compared to what God gave up when he sent his son to die for us. But go back to him and let him speak to you. And I, want to, I just want to guarantee you, even today, that there can be some rich blessings that can flow in your life this week that have been absent, and you know what they are. You may not. One would be peace. Another would be joy in the Holy Spirit. They can flow back into your life because you got back to the source again. And you say, God, it's all about you. It's not about me. For those of you who have never got to the source, would you just... With all of us together, could we pray together and just seek God for a moment and say, Lord God, some of us have got a long ways away and some, some of us have never got there before. But we confess you, Lord, you are our source. You are our strength. You are our life. You're everything that we could ever be in Jesus. Oh God, uh, we confess you as our Lord and Savior. We acknowledge that you sent your Son to give himself for us, to deliver us from this world that's so messed up. No, Father, have your way in every heart. Speak to us. Help us, Lord, to just lay at that altar that you have whatever is keeping us from you, whatever that is, oh Jesus. And I pray, Father, that uh, you would give strength to every dear soul even here 
that you would just right now say, Lord, I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. I confess you as my life. Confess you in your heart. And the Word of God says this, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And this is what it's all about. Oh Lord, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for this book. Thank you for your amazing love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.